to Always Strikes Last, an Age of Sigmar podcast with your hosts, Matt and Miles. Welcome! Welcome! <laughs> Alright, we're back. Back in a big way. And by a big way, I mean the same way. In but the same place. In the same place, in your earballs. Yeah, but not at a recurring time, just yeah. the way we like it. Exactly. Random well, swift kicks. Welcome to Always Strikes Last. We are We're, striking last always. Exactly, especially in our commitment to putting out regular podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like we did pretty well there for a little while, though. We were doing great, and you know yeah. what? It's been a crazy couple months here with the 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 we had the summer of where covid stuff was finally loosening up and everything got crazy and then we just like it's just been crazy i mean it's been crazy just in general i think the world is crazy um and then you know add add a little holidays to it and yeah. there there you go exactly but we're back for an episode at least and we'll do another one later so that'll be good yeah <laughs> And you can ex- expect that for sure. Right, for sure, sure. <laughs> uh, this is exciting. I didn't look at when we started this, but I feel like we're closing in. We're like three quarters of the way through a year. Are we? Wow. I, so. I know, right? That's pretty. I was thinking about that today. Um, I'll have to go back and actually look at when their first episode was. But I want to say it was like March of last year that, or of this of this year. That sounds so, about right. Yeah. So we're getting there. It's like we're a real thing. It's good. Yeah. Thanks to everybody for listening, right, at this point. Yeah, seriously. Sticking with us. I, I, I thought it was just the two of us in an echo chamber. Right? I mean, it, sometimes it feels that way. <laughs> Which it really is for your ear holes. Yeah, right? But uh... <laughs> So sounds good. So let's get back to it. We got some games to discuss. We wanted to talk about maybe this upcoming Nurgle book. Seems pretty spicy. Yeah, spicy, around. maybe and a little then, little saucy of yeah. the putrid kind. And then we got maybe a little discussion of, uh, you know, what to do when you're feeling burnt out with the hobby. You know, it happens to all of us, and we both, you know, it's been one of those years. Uh, you know, uh, lots of people ebbing and flowing in this hobby, and that's okay. And it's been two of those years, it's almost, been two of those for, years. for yeah. everybody. So That's true. So, yeah, so let's go into, let's go into the games. Um, Sounds good. I just actually just a couple of hours ago finished. Oh man, this is the freshest game we've ever talked about, and I'm still gonna forget everything. Oh, nice, excellent. That's <laughs> what I do. So I just got an awesome game in with uh, John uh, from the Always Strikes Last team, which nice. if you didn't know, people whose ear holes we are living in right now. Ooh, uh, gross. We we have a team now. It's sporadically That's true for for ITC. Yeah, it's super cool. And he's been starting Sylvaneth. And uh, for those that may or may have not listened to me commiserate on this show before about Sylvaneth, I have been (laughs) trying to make them work for so long. So he came by and used the entire army that I had. and um, Just to give him a a try? Yeah. uh, And actually a very interesting list. Nothing like scary Noah Lariel. Uh, which was kind of nice, but it was what two units of sword hunters, uh, the war song revenant, Durthu of all okay. creations. I'm seeing a picture here on the Discord, so yeah, there's yep. a Durthu, a TLA, two mm-hmm. units of tree revenants, a um, a branch 
which, the summoning one, I always get okay. those two mixed up. It's the summoning I, one. I couldn't tell you which one is which. Not, not the one with a pointless mortal wound spell. Okay. And then an arch revenant and the uh, spite swarm hive. And okay. nice. um, that spite swarm hive is actually like really spicy in a way that you don't like, you don't expect Sylvaneth to come out with like, oh, cool, endless spell. But then spite swarm hive shows up. Well, it's funny because it's been kind of a staple of the list for as long as it is, but they never see any tables, so nobody knows I that guess it's a staple it. of the list, there, right? There so, <laughs> everybody's like, wow, I never thought of this. And it's like, uh, well, I mean, when is the last time you fought them? Right. Um, it looks like from the picture you're playing uh, one of the missions with five objectives. Yep, uh, which, of <laughs> course, I'm going to fail to remember the name of. That's okay. Um, it's the one where you hold... Hold an objective hold for, two, for turns? two turns. Yep. Okay. It's not feral foray. It's something else. You know Power what? Power numbers. I, something like that. I was talking to you about the game, and you were like, "What mission was?" It? And I almost said feral foray. I think that's just the default mission that my brain goes to, regardless of what mission it is. I don't even know what the actual objectives are for that mission. I just like saying feral foray. I think that's probably uh, what it is. Yeah. I'm like failing drastically to find where the hell I put my book. It's really funny for people because you cannot see this. I've just watched Miles walk around the entirety of his office uh, <laughs> failing. And um, I also have no idea where my book is. But it's uh, five Wahapedia. objectives. One in the center. You hold one longer. Uh, you hold one for two turns. You get the points for it. Cool. And I ended up out dropping him and I pulled my Slanesh list out because I have not played my Slanesh, I think, actually since the last time that I was talking about Slanesh here. Uh, uh, last time okay. I played them. It's not Feral Foray. <gasps> no. Feral Foray is uh, hold them in, uh, it's the one where you can burn opponent's objectives. So it's That's why we remember it. It's yeah. collectively scarring. When somebody think, burns your I think objective. you were playing Power Struggle. Yes, that's probably it. Yeah, so my my standard Slanesh list, which is, you know, five Hell Striders with uh, Pokey Sticks, the Simbaresh Twin Souls. Of course, of course, now that I sit down and talk, I forget about all of them. Sure. The, uh, the Mortal, I go, I the mortal Leader. The pictures. Uh, oh, the Lord of Pain. Yeah, Lord of Pain. A Hellseeker, Hellseeker with the... Uh, the demon leader on it. Okay, that's the that's the fancy um, tractor. Yeah, it's the it's the tractor. It's the thing that the tractor tows. Only okay. in the case of this model, it's a demon prince just like mowing the lawn. Okay, nice. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lord of Pain. That and then the mirror, burning flaming skull, burning head. That okay. That, that one spell. Two archers. Bless your the, soul for assembling two units of those archers. You know. Like, Here's so here's the thing. That new Slanesh box looks awesome. The only reason I don't want to buy it is because it comes with archers. Yeah. The thought of putting together more archers has dissuaded me from buying all the other stuff on discount. All right, well, <laughs> like that's our, that's how uh, much I hate our, that so our, much. I was talking to our friend and teammate Jack uh Jack P from from Boston yeah. and he was like, "Yeah, you know what? Like I assembled the one. It was the most painful thing I've ever done. And I'm just going to play subpar, you know, lists from here on out. <laughs> I've, I've got through two and I have a ton <laughs> of extra Ideneth Deepkin Reavers. And those are going to be 
awesome, awesome proxies. There you uh, go. There is no way I'm putting together a third unit of archers, <laughs> even though I have an awesome like four archer list in my head. Sure. Um, no, they seem good. Eh, they're okay. I mean, six plus save. Oof, it'll show. Yeah, so the archers, the... Um, the only way that Slanesh has access to striking last now is an endless oh, spell, endless spell with, with a face, face with all and, the tongues. Yep, with all the tongues. Yeah, um, tongue face. Didn't get that off the whole game. Yeah, that's like every endless spell I've ever brought. Yeah, pretty much. Even with the mirror, the mirror gets to re-roll like, their casts. I play against lots of people who successfully cast endless spells like all the time, seemingly. Yeah, and I'm never one of them. I think only with Gnarlroot. Uh, in Sylvaneth, have I ever been able to get that done? But then well, I'm playing Sylvaneth. So. But then every every time <laughs> someone casts one against me and they use, it, I'm like, wow, that's really good. I should be bringing something like that. You know what the hell? And then and of then course like, I do, and it, it never works out. Yep, you're like, well, I never <laughs> saw this model on the table. Right. <laughs> um, so caveat here, or just to go back real quick, uh, sure. John was playing with Heartwood, which I had never given a chance. I never okay. gave Heartwood a chance. Uh, what does that, that do? Because I don't know. I, that's the like that, my my knowledge of Sylvaneth stops at Winter win, Winter's Bone, Winter Leaf, and yeah, there we go, and uh, <laughs> Gnarl Root. <laughs> uh, it's basically like what have you shot off the table? That's that's the experience. Oh yeah, yeah. I can kill that. I can kill that with this amount of guys. <laughs> Glad to let you know how that works. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So on a charge, um, okay. the entire army, I believe, can reroll ones to hit. Um, their command ability, or the, the army-wide command ability, mm-hmm. is to add an extra attack, which is really good. Cool. Right? Yeah. Um, and then there's a couple of other things. Oh, it's the one that got like a little bit, a little bit of, prominent play like right in middle of uh 2.0 uh, okay. when sylvaneth were like the new book came out and everybody was still working with him and going well this sucks well this is good some people were still winning you know before yeah. techless essentially it was okay. a pre-teclesian book i see uh the b t e uh of yeah you know sigmar right um in the year two b t e yeah so, the year one b t e uh, th- so the artifact is pretty <laughs> awesome, though. It allows um, okay. it allows the model after they fight to immediately move six inches out. It's the same oh, as the cool. gloom spite one. Uh, I know they have one. Um, yeah, yeah. Th- that's only for mangler squigs, but it's still really, really good. Yeah, super good. Pop in, pop out. John kind of whooped my ass. Oh, good. He done took me to the store. He 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 bought me a pack of Lunchables and said, "Learn how to play your army better." Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> it was it was it was actually a very good game. Nice. Um and it got me thinking like how much I'm kind of like not stuck in a rut, but stuck in a style of play. Mm-hmm. Um and it was funny because at the end he was like, you know, uh him and I have been doing a lot of like list building work and thinking together about like how can we kind of like buck the trend of how we play. And mm-hmm. he he said this was kind of like inspired by some of those talks. And I was like, no, that was all you. That was entirely all you. You came up with this. Yeah. saw a need for the army and um, you fixed it. So it was just a, a really quick, brief summary. I dropped him, chose to go first mm-hmm. and uh, popped out the burning, flaming head skull, burn, flaming, mm-hmm. endless spell. The, the ghost rider. 
Yep. Spell. I'm just going to okay. name all the things because even when I get like the words right, I'll say them backwards or something. I there never say the name of that in the spell. Skull correctly. Flaming. Yeah, Skull Flaming. Yeah. So uh, got that out, failed. And this is using that ultimate keeper on turn two uh, list, okay. which is if I do everything correctly, I should have 12 DP by the end of the beginning of my turn or okay. by the end of shooting on my turn. Right. Okay. So I filled a couple of the uh, burning flaming ske- skull head rolls, just a couple of ones. I think it was three. Okay. Uh, so I was down three DP there mm-hmm. and then walked into the end of that turn, I think having eight, just not, not getting the rolls off correctly. Okay. It, it, it was pretty funny because then uh, John comes back and sets up, just deliberately sets up for a full five-turn game instead of a I'm going to summon everything now okay. uh, style of play, which is turns out is uh, you know a smart thing to do for a five-turn game. I gotcha. And starts really setting up focal points for himself to push on mid-game. Okay. I'm looking at the pictures. He looks like he's got some really good uh, trees that are... They're near objectives. They're not on objectives. Exactly. Right? So if you want to be on the objective, you also can't screen them out of the trees. I feel like that's an interesting double-edged sword that, that Sylvaneth has. Like, it's cool that you can set up a tree around the objective. I don't know if you can still do that, but it seemed like you can. Or you, you can set them up, like, precariously close to an objective at any well, rate. He has set them up very close to these objectives, mm-hmm. but not close. And so close enough that he could, you know, sort of uh, walk the Eldritch path or whatever the fuck it's called yep you get onto the objective if he needs to but not close enough that you can stand on the objective and completely stop him from stomach from jumping to that tree well so the the caveat here is the it's uh even when they come through the trees it's nine inches away that's what i'm saying so like if the objective is wide open he can come through the tree and be on it yep right um if you're on the objective he can still come through the tree somewhere yep and uh which is a very clever balance to have well the i think the the cool thing was like you guys aren't seeing this photo but he only put down two trees two uh blocks of three trees throughout the entire game never put out anymore but managed to make a full line of movement for where he wanted to go right up to the center of the board and then um off to the right so basically what he did is set up this kind of like just power line where um, no matter what, as long as he controlled that little area, he would be having two objectives. So then he could harry me on any other two objectives that were left by the end of the game. So he gained, So I gained control of the center objective on first turn. He came and brought it back. I was expecting that to happen so that I could come in and pinch him with everything, grab sure. it, take the ob- objective back, and get conquer. Now, I didn't end up doing that because he... He had the amount of Berthu, TLA, and everything else sure. there using the triple guaranteed two-plus saves on uh, on both of them. Okay. Uh, using the Tree Lord Ancient's command ability, which basically it's a plus one to the save for a 12-inch aura. But this okay. also works with the Kurnoth Hunters. So that means like he had two units of Kurnoth Hunters, I think, uh, up until the end of the second turn uh he'd actually held one of them in the trees so he could deploy them later 
Mm-hmm. So we'd gotten a good amount of duders up there and really just held that line. I ended up going up the left side of the flank and kind of just bouncing back and forth with him uh, for quite a, quite a bit of the game. Mm-hmm. The real takeaway from all of that was that he found a way to make them work. And admittedly, I'm going to say it, he's, he, he spiked a couple of rolls. I'm sure. just going to remember. We uh, all do. We all do, uh, right? From time to time. I'm just going to remember a Boxcars fucking uh, <laughs> war song Revenant Charge. Oh, nice. Um, there you go. Which those things are actually really good in combat. Um, and they're fast. They really shore up problems that Sylvaneth have uh, with speed, with actual speed, I would say. Okay. Speed and damage. Because you can get the speed out of Dryads because they move seven inches. But you need to be able to do something in combat, which the uh, True Song Revenant does, especially with a uh, flaming weapon. Oh, sure. Um, I mean, weapon. It's real good. Yeah. Yeah. Especially on that. Uh, Tell your friends. Worst song eight. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Buy it now. Right. Buy it for your loved ones for Christmas. Uh, y- use code ASL, ASL10 yes. uh, to get 10% off the checkout. <laughs> uh, we are also an Amazon affiliate for Flaming Weapon. Yeah, um, exactly. If you want to go ahead and put in our code, uh, you know, we get a little commission get, and yeah, you get a Flaming right. Weapon with which to destroy your enemies. And really cannot sell that enough. Yeah, Flaming Weapon destroy enemies. <laughs> coupon yeah but the i so i know i'm not going to go into the minutia of this game um by turn turn three i got double turned Mm -hmm. uh which you know you never you never really want to get double turned by sylvaneth because that's two turns of them being able to heal themselves up oh sure um so anything that's on the field still that could be down to one wound you should expect it to be full um on the double turn and so at that point, I had made a couple of mistakes, wanted to spike a few rolls, didn't spike a few rolls, and it became kind of a winding down game mm-hmm. um, of just kind of mad dashes. No, no, it's okay. Yeah. I and, thought you were, huh? <laughs> nothing. I thought you were going somewhere else with that sentence, and I was ready to ready for you to go there, and then you went a different way, and oh. I was like, cool. <laughs> now I want to know. Now I no, no, know. it's all good. I, what's interesting about you know like those moments where you want to spike a few rolls. I was talking to a, a friend Don about this. I always feel like uh, when you have a game where the dice are betraying you, right? I feel like so much of that feeling comes from the fact that you're in a position where you need the dice rolls to spike, right? To 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 keep an even keel, right? Yeah, you need that yeah. spike just to keep. Whereas those moments where you were already winning, and the dice spike—that's a feel bad. That's when I apologize. Sure. That's when I start apologizing to my opponent. Right, and I'm but like, like I'm sorry, <laughs> I didn't mean it, and I'm uh, like entirely serious. But yeah. like, but uh, my point is, is that your luck is probably about the same in both situations. Um, it's just that like when you're when you're setting up for that uh, like. When you need the dice to spike, that's because you planned poorly or you're in a bad situation already, and then you feel bad when you hit like a, a like a the, an anti spike, whatever we're calling those, you know, a, a bunch of ones, right? Would you, you call like, it like a trench or a, a valley? Trench. A trench. You, a get trench. A, you get a dice trench. <laughs> you've you've trenched your dice. Exactly. Yeah, um, you, you were no, already in a bad space, right? That you were relying on these dice to spike. That that trench like makes you have that sort of really negative reaction to like, oh, the dice have betrayed me. Whereas if you were in a good position anyway, 
the dice trench wouldn't have mattered. This is, so I would say this is true for 80% of the armies in the game. Sure. <laughs> so, and I, and I entirely agree. It is mm-hmm. all in your head, um, how you are rolling. Not, not all in your head, but for the yeah. most part in your head. Except if for when Philip rolls a bunch of 12 charges out of nowhere. And he calls but, them beforehand. Yeah, yeah. Like, like he like, will call those yeah. motherfuckers and be like, here's a 12-inch charge. You ready? No. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> uh, All that thing I just said, that very eloquent thing I just said that was profound about, you know, uh, setting yourself up for success completely out the window and undermined by the... <laughs> Completely. And it hit like the, the window pane on the way out. So it's bruised falling. Yeah. Right. I think that's true for like 80% of the armies there. Like there are certain builds, there, there are certain armies that can't really get away with not having to spike. Like uh, the first thing that would come to mind would be um, if you are a squig player or Jaws of Mork, um, you know, they, they have to rely on spikes would, to get anything done. I would done, argue... Right? They're just, they're not setting themselves up for success playing that book, right? <laughs> like, this is and true. And I'm not saying that they should stop playing that book. Like, I love Squigs and I love Gets and I want them to be doing well. But, like, uh, I feel like they're already in that place where they are relying on dice. Like, if you, like, uh, one thing I was, I, I think you were talking about it in one of the last tournaments where, like, um, playing Beasts, there are plenty of times, I think you and Kirk were talking about it, where, like, there's plenty of times playing beasts where it doesn't matter how much damage you do. You won it in the movement phase, and then if you did any damage, whatever. Or you or you didn't do any damage, whatever. It didn't matter because you were on the point that you needed to be on, and that was that was what you needed to do. Yeah. Right? Yep, and yep. so that's some point where like it doesn't matter what you roll. Well I mean yes. it would be it would be nice. It would be nice if you had a nice dice spike. Well, but so you've already won it in the movement phase. So the reason you already set yourself up. See, I knew you were going to pull that out. I didn't know exactly which one, but I knew it was going to be movement-oriented, which is exactly why I chose squigs, because they use dice for their movement. No, no, exactly. So It's um, a classic. From What what I've learned from playing Blood Bowl is the more dice you roll, the worse you do. That's that's generally what it is. The chances (laughs) of your loss are just as high as your chances of success the more that you roll your dice. Exactly. So uh, Anyway, circling back, it sounds like it was a good game. Yeah, yeah. I haven't played Slanesh in a while. Totally forgot how fun they were. Didn't get my keeper out until turn four when she failed her charges. Oof. May I say both of those charges. Yeah. Um, you know, it's definitely an army that I miss playing and will probably start to move into a little bit more now that I'm seeing that the Legion of Blood is just maybe a little bit too strong for me. I can't play a strong army. Yeah. That'd be too easy. <laughs> so yeah really good game you know john like took it away in the last two turns amazing board control and it was great because i've been working on like trying to get that sylvaneth army to work i even brought it into a tournament you know at the beginning of when everything opened up and we had mm-hmm. the little backyard invitational at um, yeah. at your place yeah. and i was like i need to bring these because i've been working on them so much and I need to know that I should not be bringing them to tournaments. So here's a friendly tournament. Let me lose this tournament so yeah. I will not be bringing them. <laughs> and and uh, I'm, I was totally burnt out on that army. Not going to make it work. Yeah. Um, and here Walt is in John with just like an amazing solid play style. The, the last thing I'll say, and I, then I want to hear about uh, your RKO game, mm-hmm. was that the, the way that the list was played and the way that um, 
he was setting up the board control felt like it felt like the army was like designed to play it. Like somehow he had tapped into like a growing forest style okay. of play. And it felt like this wall of trees, you know, those just like small, small yeah, units yeah. were actually holding the board, like, and staying strong in the places that they need to be. Interesting. Um, which felt really good because it felt thematic. That's awesome. I love it when so. you can get those moments where the army feels like it's supposed to. Yeah. Or, or like, or you, or you think it's supposed to at any rate. Yeah. Um, from, how, from, how you, how you perceive the army to, uh, yeah. To work on the table. But yeah. Very good game. And well done, John. Whoop my nice. ass. <laughs> uh, so. let's see. I also had, uh, I had two games back to, they were back to back. They were that short that we played a, we played a double header. Uh, I was against, wondering. I was yeah, wondering against our friend Matt Matt B. He had he's been playing this really interesting uh, and from what I can tell, uh, netlist of a uh, self you know self admitted netlist of Legion of the First Prince. So this is a list you might actually see. So good, some good meta content for us here. This is the hard hitting reporting that we're doing in, yes. in our podcast. Yeah, we go from Sylvaneth to netlist. Yeah, perfection. Um, so it's, uh, it's Legion of the First Prince. So we got Bellacor, obviously he's got three units of plague bearers. We've got a bloodthirster with, it's an eight inch. It's the exploding thurster. Yeah. So, yeah it's the a bloodthirster of insensate rage, right? Yeah, with the exploding yeah. one. I just um, call it a bl- exploding thurster. He's the general, which is a little interesting with, uh, he's got an eight inch plus one to the invul save or plus one to the shrug. I should say, mm-hmm. invul save. what game is this? Plus one to the shrug. Which is really, really strong. And then he also has a re-rollable save in melee. So he's very strong. Then we got Bellacor. And he's got, Matt's got Cairo, Kairos, doing Kairos stuff, as you would expect. A Demon Prince of Corn and a Contorted Epitome with the Fourfold Blade. Yeah, the thing oh. is so gross. <laughs> yeah. So that one, it's fives and sixes uh, do D3 Mortal Wounds instead. Yeah, and the... Uh- for those that don't know, the epitome has nine attacks. So for uh, a very small, like easy to maneuver, quick unit mm-hmm. uh, that shrugs mortal wounds on twos, right? That's it a, doesn't shrug regular wounds very no. well. It no, it does out. not. But but yeah, no, it's got it's it's got some surprising hard points. You know, like of just like really uh, not not hard points, but like points of like really interesting toughness that it's like oh wow, like. I was attacking this thing in the wrong way. Yeah. You know? It's uh it's it's a very subversive list. Yeah. And it's just so tanky. And it's 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 really gross. Um and he's playing it really well. Obviously it's it's Matt. He's yep. he's playing it like like he uh won ITC in 2020 from getting more points before everything shut down. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, But I think dig. he did I think he did end in first place that year. For whatever that's worth, I think he did. Yeah, so that's exciting. I guess. <laughs> but anyway, so um, he's playing this Legion of the First Prince. I brought this army that I've had in the back burner for a while, which is Archeon Slaves of Darkness. Archeon in his own book, which no one ever does. Seems seemingly. I but, like it. I like it though. And it's fun. So the list is Archeon, two units of Varengard with ensorcelled weapons. A unit of 20 Chaos Warriors and a unit of 10 Marauders and a slaves or a um, Chaos Sorcerer Lord. Uh, everything's Mark of Zinch, so we're getting those reroll ones on the save, which is pretty spicy. 
and pretty much everything in the army has a five up spell ignore. Yeah, it it looking at the list, it sounds just like a pure slugfest. Like we're gonna hit this one thing, it's gonna die, right? Yeah. How'd that go? It didn't go well. It didn't go well <laughs> for me at all. Now I'll say a part part of it. I think it's a bad matchup for me because Matt's list is really really dialed into denying one big threat for as long as possible because yeah. a lot of lists that we see these days are one to two big threats you know yeah, on the board god models or the equivalent right right and archeon's a perfect example of that you know or or maybe it's a gotrek or it's a techless or it's a you know yeah. techless i think this is not as big of a tech anti techless but it's uh, it's still very um, it, i think it still works against him this is only because Teclas isn't a melee uh, monster. Yeah. But so the the core of Matt's strategy is that he's got Bellicor, right? So that's going to shut down Archeon for one, maybe two turns, depending on how the double turn plays out. Yeah. And then he's using the the Corn Demon Prince, and this is like just a really nasty combo. Uh, so that Corn Demon Prince has for a command point an 18 inch bubble of having your charge distance. Right. It's so gross. Which means that at three inches away, you need to roll a six or better. I actually, we weren't sure if it was two, if you had to go two and a half, right? There's that question of, can you be on the line? But anyway, there, that's, that's like a real rules lawyery rabbit hole that we are not going to go down in this podcast. No. Nope. Um, either way, you need to roll a five or a six from three inches away. And then, so charges become increasingly failable after that, right? So at four inches away, you need to roll an eight. At five inches away, you need to roll a 10. You know, and using clever redeploys and screens, it makes it really hard for you to get into combat with anything that you're interested in combat. An 18-inch bubble from this little Slaves of Darkness Demon Prince is huge, right? It's almost impossible to get out of this thing. Yep. Yeah, I've had it uh, smack me a couple of times. And um, it's funny how little we see that in the local meta. Like, I know Matt uses it, and then Andrew from... Victoria's Secret uses mm-hmm. it, and you don't. What were you saying? You don't. You don't see it that much, but when you do, it sucks. Yeah, <laughs> like that sounds like a thing I would say. <laughs> it's a it's a brutal little rule. And um, then, so then he combined that. So that's something he can get off every turn. So every turn, uh, you know, he's using a command point to make sure that that's always on. And then you combine that with the fact that we have Kairos on the field, and he's got that Kairos fate die where he can just change any one die any point in the game. So after Bellicor has entrapped someone in the dark, shadowy webs for one to two turns, mm-hmm. and you finally get a, able to move move your big scary death star model after at that point you're still going to definitely fail that charge yep right because that three inch charge presuming you can get to a three inch charge right with with the redeploys and stuff is now really a five or six inch charge which means unless you roll what is it you need to roll you need to actually roll a 10 because he's going to change one of those dice to a one yep and that's only with your big scary but like right so so what did you use those on in your games by the way so, well, I mean, he used them on Archeon for the most part. Mm. But what was really interesting was, so Archeon's in, in the Slaves of Darkness book is not a turn one charger, right? I don't, yeah. have the, I don't have the speed to get him there. Matt's really clever about screening. It's not going to go down, yeah. right? So the first time we both, we played, hang on, I, I had it loaded up for this. It was, I think it was called Savage Gains. You know, when you're oh. at the gym and you're just really ripping it. Yeah, yeah, and you're savage about it. Savage games oh, yeah. at the gym, getting Wait. those protein shakes. 
Um, the cream rises <laughs> to the top. You're right. <laughs> so we played Savage Gains, which is the sort of the four objectives in a in a sort of cross pattern. Uh, yours is worth one. Theirs is worth four. And then the two in the middle are worth two. I'm a one drop, which is kind of interesting. So I went first on the first try, uh, the, the first game. Uh, I went so up- much confidence post games <laughs> there. <laughs> uh, well, I was thinking about this and like I was trying to. I was thinking that Archeon would be pretty tanky, so I could just get him and the and the Chaos Warriors onto some objectives and sort of just sit there. And it didn't fully pan out. Like I was able to get Archeon close to the objective, but not quite, based on where I'd sort of as I have to deploy first, yeah. you know. So uh, everything. Uh, so I'm not really able to feint where Archeon is at any real point. So Archeon was actually not on the objective, and I think that was the big mistake of mine. Mm. But I had the two units of Varengard up there with him you know, being supportive and then the chaos warriors on their side with the marauders doing that thing. And basically during Matt's turn, the bloodthirster came in. Kairos has the gift of gift of something blessing of gift wind. of gab. Yeah. The gift of gab. He's a good uh, talker. It's, uh, it's basically, it's a spell that he can almost always get off. It seems like six mortal wounds at his full profile. And That's if so you gross. kill something, it turns into a spawn. Yep. Right. So, so he uh, he turns he he kills one of my Varengard outright because they don't have they have a five up spell ignore which of course I fail classic five up I mean you have to no no it's... five ups are only good in mass like if you can roll ten five ups I'm gonna make eight of them but if yeah. you have to roll one five up I am no, absolutely you'll never screwed. get it you'll yeah. never get it <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> so he he turns one of them into a spawn and those are now tying up both units because he puts the spawn in the middle so that both of them, which means neither of them can redeploy when the bloodthirster comes by. Yep. And then the bloodthirster charges in and basically wipes both units in one swing. Wow. So he, did he spike on that? He's, he got one. So no, he, he outright killed. He got three, he got one exploding four, right? Or mm-hmm. it's, it's, a, it's a six to wound, right? He got one six to wound, which is four mortal wounds to everything around it. So that, that killed the one injured guy in one unit, right? Because mm-hmm. they're five five wounds apiece. So uh, after taking six wounds, I had one guy with one wound on him. So he kills the injured guy in one unit, and then he just had enough regular wounds because those those sixes are still go through and are yep. minus two d six damage that he did yep. like twenty one damage to the to the unit he was actually attacking. Damn. And then and then he had Bellicor finish off the lone Varen guard. And then Archeon's uh, sitting there like, ooh. Right, and Archeon can't get into combat because he's, you know, he's Matt and he's very clever about how to make sure that Archeon doesn't get into combat. Mm-hmm. And then during my turn, now he dark, dark princes Archeon. Um, and that was basically game. You know, we played it out just to do, so, just to try some stuff out because I was still trying to get a handle on it. It's, uh, it's a different sub-faction that I, I haven't played Sleeps of Darkness in a while. Mm-hmm. And uh, I didn't play Hearth of the Everchosen in a bit. Some cool tricks that they have, which I think is kind of cool. Um, Archeon's got that command ability for fight when you die. Mm-hmm. And you can use it during your hero phase. And then whenever your opponent uses a command point, you can use it then too. And on a two up, it works. Of course, the first time I tried that, rolled a one. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you can keep, as long as you have command points, you can keep trying it in every phase, as long as they keep spending command points. To try and get these guys to fight until fight when they die, which is pretty good on Varengard, you know, or it's good on anybody for that matter. Fight when you die. 
Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. And so I wanted to, you know, keep playing it out. And then they also have, they have their own secondaries from the white dwarf. And I wanted to try one of those out, which is, it's a little bit, it's very similar to some of the other ones that we have access to, but it's a nice one, the extra one to have in your pocket, which is pick an objective that has enemies within 12 inches of it. At the end of your turn, there are no enemies within 12 inches of it, which is a lot, which is basically the same as like kill a battle line oh, or kill a if monster. You, if you clear an objective, you... I need to clear an objective. Gotcha. Um, but, and it, but, it, and it kind of doesn't matter what's on it and it, and you can use it instead of kill a battle line or kill a monster. Cause maybe you tried that already or conquer. Or... Exactly. Or con- yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's actually a really good one. There was another one, which is really dumb. It's like a guy with eye of the gods gets to roll on eye of the gods. And that's that's never going to happen. Yeah, I, right. My my small hero killed your hero in single combat. That's not going to happen. I don't think I've ever had that rule come up in yeah. all of playing. I will say uh, I know we're list. we're going to talk about Nurgle later in this podcast. But mm-hmm. one of my Slaves to Darkness 2022 wish list items is for Eye of the Gods to get reworked so that it actually does something. Yeah, I mean, how do you? That's just a rule that's there for fun. And I don't think it will actually ever get really used, right? Yeah, I don't know. Um, It'd be cool if, like, and this is just a very short tangent. I was thinking it would be cool anytime, anytime any hero kills models, they get a chance, like a low chance to get a boon. Or like a tally. Actually, that yeah. would be a great thing, right? Right, right. Well, they're working on it, right? Like, it's like, okay, well, I didn't, like, kill a hero. Like, a hero's maybe five points to your tally or something like that. But just killing models. All right, I killed a whole. I killed ten, like ten guys with this, like sweet chaos lord on yeah. a carcadrack or something. That's ten points. Cool. I earned a four up roll on Eye of the Gods. That would work really well for corn, actually, right? Yeah. So, like, once you get to twenty wounds, maybe you get an extra rend or something. Probably something a little bit better than that, but depending yeah. on the corn list, I don't know. So anyway, uh, we called it pretty quickly after that because I was, you know, down my main punching unit, which being both Varen guards, and I and he and he hadn't he was going to keep Archeon from fighting for the next three turns. So gross. Archeon wasn't going to even get to fight until bottom of four, you know, basically the way the the way it was going to play out, and yeah, like at that point, I'm not going to kill anything. You know, like like <laughs> I'm down 500 points. I haven't killed any of your models, and uh, and it's turn three. Yeah, and it's <laughs> time know? for him to summon more. Yeah, exactly. So we re-racked, and we tried it again. I deployed in a very similar way, because I well, am a glutton for punishment. Uh, <laughs> but I made him go first this time. Mm. You know, it's one of the benefits of having a one-drop list. I do think, in retrospect, I might want to go back to the drawing board and figure out, I should put those Varengard in a Hunters of the Heartland battalion. Because one thing they really suffer from is getting roared at. And and they're a big target for big monsters. Like, big monsters want to come fight Varengard. Yeah, because they're either A, going to kind of be a speed bump that will hold them up long enough, mm-hmm. or B, they'll actually just rip them apart, right? Right. But uh, not to interrupt too much. But no, the, so with the with when the new book comes out, it's going to be much different, right? We're not going to have Hunters of the Heartland, most likely. That's true. Yeah, so, summer of 2022, we'll have a different a different thing. You may just be ahead of the curve. So. There we go. There we, go. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we don't know what's going to happen then. Maybe we don't know what what realm it's going to be in. 
Uh, it's going to be Yulgu. We all know it's going to be Yulgu. Everybody wants Yul-Gu. it to be Yulgu. I don't know. I'm, I think it'll be something really obnoxious that we all hate. No. <laughs> uh, it, it'll be right when they release all the archers for all the armies that right? need them. And then or they'll I be like, thinking, okay, only yeah, at 12 uh, inches. They could get it really into war machines, right? There, we have a war machine limit that no one ever hits, right? So you could – everybody's taking artillery all of a sudden. I would hate that. Everyone yeah, would that, hate that. That would be so annoying. Wherever they are at Games Workshop, don't do that. Rules Please designer's no. ears just perked up and his eyes twinkled, right? and he said, "2022, <laughs> not Chamon, Chamon, Chamon." Right? Yeah, it's it's like Michael Jackson. There's a van that drives around Fremont that says it's like a faded '80s like music. That's the only way. I can, like, it's got like faded '80s stripes on it and stuff like that, and it says Chamonics. And nice. all I can think of is like lo-fi realm of metal. <laughs> like every time I see it. That's rad. Uh, <laughs> shout out to that guy, I guess. Yeah. Whoever's got that van. Sick van, bro. He's uh, living it. <laughs> okay, so we re-racked and I made Matt go first this time. Basically, he did some good repositioning. He got on to... You know, he got some plague bearers onto some objectives and was still able to murder a uh, murder of Erengard with that spell, which is real irritating, you know, but basically retreated a spawn to just sort of be in my in my way. And then my turn came. I was able to move up, get on some objectives, really get into a good uh, scoring moment or spot. And then top of two, the exact same thing happened. Oh, really? <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Bloodthirster came in, wiped both. Both units of Varengard. Archeon tied up for the next three turns. <laughs> so what it sounds like is you were missing a critical phase. The uh, you know the deployment phase was, yeah, uh, was maybe. where you were having problems. Maybe. Yeah, I think part of it was trying to figure out. I, I think one thing that which is a, which is a, this is a tactic I did not think of at the time. What was the thing I needed to screen was the Varengard. Yeah, and that didn't occur to me in the moment. Yeah, I would um, imagine the Marauders would have been a great screen for the Vanguard, right. right? Well, in this in this one, the Marauders were hanging back, holding the the home objective, which was uh, yeah, they were doing great doing that. But uh, by the time Archeon got loose, the uh, like the sort of the monster bubble, uh, Bellicor, the Bloodthirster, and Kairos had mopped up the Vanguard and then had moved over to the other side of the, of the thing and were. And I will say, to their credit, those Chaos Warriors tanked the entire army for two turns that's and, and still had chaos warriors chilling i mean we know philip has had that chaos warrior list that just makes pe- like makes half of the meta cry yeah um they chaos warriors are legit now they're not gonna do any damage for you per se but if you need someone to just sit on a thing and never die and never go away they are awesome at that i mean you roll enough dice eventually a couple of yeah. wounds are gonna get through right no, um, exactly. Uh, well, the problem I had was I was beset on all sides, and so I had to basically divide up all of my attacks between. Like, it was like, okay, three chaos warriors fight this one bloodthirster, and then two chaos warriors fight the contorted epitome, and then two chaos warriors fight Kairos. One chaos warrior fights the spawn. You know, <laughs> like yeah. there was no way to like get a bulk of uh, attacks onto any one unit. It's a, it's a pretty amazing moving castle list absolutely up against him a little bit ago uh actually before the hawkworm tournament Mm -hmm. with that joaquin yeah uh (laughs) 
with that uh, Legion of Blood uh, list uh, before I got the two dragons going. And yeah, it's just brutal. It's it's really hard to pick that list apart because it almost like it's asking you to do it mm-hmm. in lieu of doing objective work. Right. And like normally when you have like other chaos lists where like focusing on a bloodthirster that's going out there to try and, you know, remove one unit from an objective and then... Yeah go support somebody else. This, it's just like, okay, here is all of this stuff. Good luck. I wish you well. Um, (laughs) And no, exactly. Uh, I did get to play him. I played him a couple weeks ago with the giants against this list. We also did a double header mainly because the first mission we rolled was the instant death mission that everybody loves so much. What is it called? Make marking territory. There we go. I got the marking. Um, and we rolled territory. it. We rolled it, and I was like, "Oh, well, we don't have to play." It's like Matt's like, "Well, I've never actually played this mission. Let's just do it real quick, right? If it's short, we'll just play again, right?" Mm-hmm. And uh, I was able to sort of like sneak out a cheeky victory because I'm giants and like we're really good at stupid instant win things. And then we played a different mission. I feel like it was probably the same one, this uh, Savage Gains, actually. And I learned some stuff about which of his monsters I was actually going to focus on fighting. Mm-hmm. having unsuccessfully fought several of them, you know? And so I feel like I would have had a much better chance at it had I had I sort of known that going in, which ones are actually killable and yeah. which ones are not worth my time. See, it's funny because, like, I came out of that game going, so if I want to beat this list, what I need to do is actually not focused on his little, you know, moving castle and kill off all his support. Right. right. If he wants to summon stuff, he's already surrounded, Right. Right. That's what I came away. Uh, and that's the, that's effectively what I had thinking. done with the with the giants was like, you know, pretty early on, all the plague bearers are dead. Yep. You know, he's summoning some random pinks when he can, but a lot of times it's they're really hard to put in a good spot because we're all in each other's business at that point. You know, and had I thought to allocate attacks, the things you need to kill are the stupid demon prince. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that's where uh, chaos needs a shooting army. Right. Just give us a shooting army. <laughs> giving everybody else archers. Right. I, I, I have some amazing archers with uh, Slanesh. Zinch has got it. Where's the there archers for Slaves of Darkness? What's going on there, uh, G-Dubs? They can't, give, they can't give them archers. Be the end of days. It would it'd be, be. It'd be the end times 2.0. Yeah, all over again. And we'll all just go, over in, again. go into Age of Archeon. <laughs> Over and over, right? And over. But it was a good game. They, you know, all good games. Matt's a great player, and it's you know, I feel like the only way to get better at this game is to f- play people who are better than you. Yeah, and actually, like, be receptive to learning. Yeah, right. Like, you can learn a lot while you are getting tabled. I feel like that's not, when not you all learn the, time. the most. Not all the time, necessarily. Like sometimes you're just like, well, I didn't learn it. You know, like I just got like everything I tried was a failure. And I mean, well, sometimes le- knowing what's going to be a failure is is a whole thing. But I, you know. Mostly, yeah, you can absolutely learn a ton while you're getting tabled. I mean, even when like having no interaction, you can still learn something, right? Mm-hmm. When it goes down to list building, uh, the 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 last iterations of the beast list, I learned from you know just continually getting my ass shot off the table by uh, Lumina. Like, what are we going to do to beat that? Make right. target priority problems. Make each one of those target priority problems equal, and right. then make them all like. V- large wound base right make it so that they have to dedicate everything to kill one of them while the other three come in and charge them yeah you know, <laughs> from extreme tabling i think yeah um, no, that's that's true probably repeated tabling 
you know, any single tabling, maybe not be the most, uh, but repeated, you know, as as long as you're scratching your head at the end, like that's the end goal, right? Yeah, exactly. So that was good. Yeah. So it was good games. I was excited just to get Archeon back. And I think this is the second time he's actually hit the table since I painted him last year. I still don't think I've actually seen that model finished yet. Right. Like it's been hiding. It's been hiding. (laughs) Because you've well, been just, you know, everything just, else. I actually got his base done, so that was good. The base is looking good. Nice. Uh, I've decided uh, for LVO, I am going to f- to paint the Slaves to Darkness as if I'm bringing them and then bring Giants. That's the way to do it. Just, just, to, give myself the den- just to give myself the deadline of like, all right, these models need to get done. <laughs> right. <laughs> Arbitrary deadlines. Yeah. Are you, are you like finding... I mean, I know my Slaves to Darkness have been a slog trying to get through because it's all oh. metal for my paint scheme. Yeah, no, Segway. they are. No, no, they are absolutely a slog to paint. They're just like it's it's a lot of different textures and a lot of different a lot of metal and a lot of different types of metal, depending on how you're doing it, right? Like I have a lot of dark silver, but then there's a lot of random gold trim. And a lot of random, you know, I've been using this fun bronze with a turbo dork as sort of my like demonic metal. So, like if there's mm-hmm. a thing, like I'm not trying to describe it like, so like gold is for the trim, just like generic mundane trim is the gold. But if there's like a fancier emblem or something that's like, you know, like a, the face coming out of the, the, the shield or something like that, that sort of bleeds into this, this bronze, which yeah. is like an, a really accent metal. A focal point for the model. Yeah, and I try to be really sparing with it to make it more special. Nice, um, but it's like you know, and then like we do all that, and then like the model's only a third done. <laughs> yeah, right. Because I've got I've got capes, and I've got you know epaulets with uh, with fur on them, right, and a bunch of different kinds of leather. But you got your process down for all of them, right? Yeah, <laughs> more or less. <laughs> I feel like that's that's the hardest thing for me to do as a, a painter. Like determine the process by which I want the the models to like go through, right? Yeah. So like, well, but but that's the thing is it's uh, you know it's slaves to darkness. There's so much variety mm-hmm. that like okay, I know how to paint a warrior, right? And that warrior painting technique translates to almost any dude in armor yep. throughout the army. But lots of dudes in armor are riding a crazy monster. That's a one-off, you well, know. <laughs> that's because you converted a chocobo writer, right? But like you know, like there's, but like the Carcadrac Lord, like there's no other Carcadrac. So every, so when I go to paint the Carcadrac Lord, yeah, I know how to paint the Lord, mm-hmm. but now I have to figure out how I want to paint this Carcadrac, you know. And that's like, even though it's really just one model, it's like a lot more mental investment. Than, oh yeah, you know, than just like cranking out like a bunch of. You know, the same cavalry. Well, and the fun thing, too, is, right, like, um, for people listening, like, Miles and I are definitely on the deep end of what you would call collectors. Um, <laughs> the amount of plastic that we have sitting on our shelves uh, probably concerns our significant others. It definitely does. Uh, so, it definitely does. <laughs> you know, like, I, I don't know about you, but I'm pretty sure you probably feel the same way. It's like... When I sit down to paint a model, let's say like, so my, um, I've just gone through a giant slog with the Stormcast. Mm-hmm. And part of that is a lot of the, um, the Dracoths, the, uh, the oh, sure. dudes on lizards, right? Yeah, so yeah. when I look at the Karkadrak, I'm like, well, I can't paint them like the Dracoths. You can't oh, do yeah. that. That's and heresy. Then, and, then, 
because like only I'm going to see that those two are the same, but they're not the same. A Karkadrak is not a Dracoth. That's heresy. Like <laughs> nobody else is going to see that this model and the other model are both owned by me because I'm only taking one to a tournament or playing one army. I'd, but yeah, you know. no one's going to see both of your armies side by side. Yeah. But, ever. but I will. Yeah. <laughs> and it's funny though. I do feel like there are some, there are some sort of motifs that exist across all of my armies. Like there are some like leather for the most part, in, in the universe that my armies exist in, for whatever reason, is dryad bark. Dryad bark? Dryad bark. That's the paint. Like, and, and it's not, you know, there are some leathers that are notable exceptions to that. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, if you have a leather bit, you know, it's and it doesn't dryad. matter. It's kind of probably going to be dryad bark. And that's true for space marines, and it's true for dwarves, and it's, you know, like... I I finally got my hack for leather where it actually looks like I want it to look. And I'm so happy with it. And it's using bone, okay. color of bone, whatever the bone is. Sure. And then there is that Necron compound, which is oh, like nice. this greasy looking, like it's yeah, a yeah. games workshop technical. And I just put that over top and then it like picks out all the imperfections and gives it a gloss. Mm-hmm. I'm so lazy with leather. I'm so done. By the time I get to leather, I'm just like, I just want this done. Right. I want it done. You're just a fucking strap and I hate you so much. There's yeah, a lot after of stuff. all the Stormcast. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff I use skeleton horde for that is not skeleton related in any way, shape. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, for, the, for a similar reason. It's just like, look, I just need you to be moderately off-white. You know? It, it's really funny because I feel like those are the ways that kind of get like when, when you have like that that tried and true like staple that you know is going to be everywhere, other people aren't going to pick on it, pick up on it, yeah. and and pick on it. You know it's going to be there. You can pick on it for yourself, but it's like, but I fucking hate that particular thing. So yeah. like they can all be like that, and I won't care. <laughs> like I feel like that's an easy way to kind of like get through a lot of the slogging painting that um, I know I do. Once I got my metal thing down. I was just like, I was done. I will never have to worry about painting metal with a brush ever again. Yeah. Well, you, you have that fun uh, Sharpie technique, which I think is clever. Oh, it's so easy. Just um, you, you still do brush for all your metals, right? Yeah. No, I've, I've gotten really into, what are they called? The Vallejo metallic paints. The flow on them is so nice. It feels like you're painting contrast, but it turns out solid it's metal. metal. Nice. Yeah. So I will say if you've, if, if you're listening and you haven't actually taken the plunge and gotten some some like actual good like they're expensive, but they'll yeah. last you forever. Dark aluminum is almost exactly lead belcher. Oh, nice! But right? just so if you're smoother. just looking for yeah, for, so if you're just looking for a lead belcher replacement, dark aluminum. And then I also have steel, which is too dark to be lead belcher, but is great for stuff like Chaos Warriors, where you want that sort of black metal look. And then I got uh, like a lighter one that I never use. <laughs> <laughs> Edge highlights. I I had all the. I never edge highlight anymore. Are you kidding me? Like <laughs> sharpies, man. That's where the yeah. jam is. I like I never edge highlight. Um, I, you know, I I feel like I try to paint in a way that edges highlight themselves. It's kind of funny because that's why that that was like the that's what clinched the deal for me for uh, for sharpies. Um, yeah. If I just use a like a silver metallic sharpie, I'm only hitting the the top recesses of the model, right? Like I'm not getting into the cracks. I can go back and like. Go with a watered down wash, but I'm 
doing two things at once. I'm pulling a Xenothal highlight off for fucking metal yeah. uh, in a way. And then like, I know all the parts I have to paint. I know all the parts I can't see. Cause like yeah. there's only a certain distance that Sharpie's not going to get in. And then it's just washes, do it again, washes, do it again. And now, now, now I've gotten, I've become a connoisseur of my Sharpies, by the way. You know, I've, which ones smell the best. Oh, I know which ones are worn down just enough where if I go and I there do edge highlights, which I do, still do, not yep. lazy. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, supremely lazy. <laughs> I, I do them with the, with the old beat down Sharpies that barely have anything left in them yeah. and then it's not going to overpower anything. And I'm like, boom, done, 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 done. Now, if you ask me to paint flesh, I will sit there for fucking ever trying to figure that out. I even oh, have that foray into oil paints. It's a lot of painting. Definitely both of us. Like, I've been finding that, especially during the pandemic, I am painting faster than I can play. And I play a lot, which is so it's like it's, <laughs> it's such a weird position to be in. I, I my, my, uh, my, my style I found is that, like, I will go through huge blocks. So I will, I will start on something and I will get like through like, I think my last long painting session, it usually lasts about a week mm-hmm. where I'm finally in the mood and I'm like, finally like, okay, I want to get this done. I want to be able to use these. I'll get myself excited about playing a game or like a book will come out like Stormcast just did. Sure. And like a unit that I've had sitting on the table forever is just like, okay, fine. I'll finally paint you now that you're interesting. Mm-hmm. And I will just run through the process of painting that unit very quickly, you know, get all the the main work done uh, over the span of like two days. Like I think I put what I knocked out 10, the uh, the sacrosanct chamber battle line. What's their names? Oh, the non sequiturs. Yes, the non sequiturs. Yeah. Yes. Well done. Well done. Well played. <laughs> I knocked out like 10 of those in two days. Um, but nice. then like I have the momentum and I already have the method down. So then I'm like, oh, wait, I've got a backlog of all these other ones. So boom, 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 all the way through those and get them to a point where it's like, okay, this is going to look good on a table. Um, if somebody comes up and tries to look at them for like a painting competition, eh, I'm not going to win it. But like, I'm ready for detail work. And then I can go back when I have like the next piece of inspiration. But at that mm-hmm. point, once I've gotten through all the other, you know, I think I painted 36 models, okay. 37 models over the course of like a week, got them all table ready. And then I was just like, okay, I'm done. I'm so over this. I'm, I'm done. Set them yeah. there and haven't touched them for a while. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. Um, yeah. We'll wait for the next inspiration. Let's play yeah. them for a little bit. See what else I need. I feel like that is the trick. And Figuring out where that inspiration comes from so that you can sort of like spark it is the absolute secret sauce of this hobby. Yeah. Well, the right? hobby because, side of the hobby, right? Yeah, the, the hobby side of the hobby. Yes. Because uh, I do the same thing, right? I'll get inspiration and I'll paint 20 Saurus Warriors and I'll have airbrushed the next 20 and then they'll sit in a bin for eight months. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know? Cause I can't be bothered. I'm like, I, and then I'll forget what the f- recipe is to paint them. I'm supposed to, should be writing this stuff down. I'd never, never write anything down. And I, <laughs> I guess that's, that's where I'm like happy enough. I think for me, because I've kind I've kind of, and, and especially over, you know, the past almost two years now in the, the whole COVID thing, mm-hmm. like I figured out how my routine works. And then um, I also figured out my, my process. I think for me, 
um, the process is like the biggest thing, right? So if I set up how I want to do medals for this army, then just throw a bunch out there that I know like, okay, this is the end result. I can get there even if I forget mm-hmm. the process that I took to get there. Right. Uh, because I know the materials that I had, right? I try sure. and keep my palette very small of like, I have a ton of turbo dirk stuff, but that's like, I'll throw that in randomly just to, just to make certain models stand out or something. But in the end yeah. with Stormcast, I know I'm coming back with a Sharpie, a shit ton of like known gloss and yeah. like, all you know that's that's pretty much it right and so like when i get when i get done with that and i'm like finally disgusted with painting metal over and over then Mm -hmm. you know i get to the next one but like i think the hardest thing for me um especially like burnout with painting is like realizing that i have other challenges like going back to being the uh the the we collect too many models. I've mm-hmm. got an entire Lumineth army that's just been sitting there assembled in gray, waiting for been me to waiting spray. Been waiting to see them. Yeah, they sound good. Yeah, um, you've been telling me about them for like a year now. And now John's picking up that list and running with it. Um, awesome, and I love that. We just have to pawn our list ideas off on other people who have this kind of free time. That's really the thing I think we need to learn to do. What we really need to do is get a subscription model uh, built. (laughs) And then, you know, we can monetize this effort. And, you know. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I I think, yeah, one of the things that I've found, you know, because I definitely go through these periods of major burnout with an army or with, you know, or just with painting in general is figuring out uh, what it is that sparks that interest again to do the painting. And also, I feel like there's also an art to, like, not being, not feeling guilty about not doing it. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's a hobby. Like, at the end of the day, all of this stuff is opt-in, you know? Yep. And that, that, is, a big, that is a big thing. Um, I, I know I always struggle with that because I will just throw myself into something, like, 99% and then realize, Oh, I just jumped in the water. I would like to remain dry, please. Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is really interesting how much uh, we can immerse ourselves in something to the point that we don't really see, you know, the fact that it is, Oh yeah, this is just fun. Yeah. 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 Uh, I've, I've burnt myself out on something that was supposed to just be this chill thing that I did. Yep. You know, because um, I was doing it too hard and I, cause I was, cause I was pushing myself to finish stuff because i felt guilty about not finishing things yeah and i mean it that even translates over into tournaments i mean i am i i did not realize it until the other day and i am just burnt out i am already burnt out on tournaments and we're already in you know since everything opened back up i have been consistently to pretty much every tournament since opening in the local area sure yeah and um, I think I burned out a little bit faster than you, but there was definitely a time there where it was like three times a month. Let's do this. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, it was three times a month for however. When when did they start back up? Had I felt like, like it was, you know, June ish. Yeah, it felt like. And then, yeah, through I mean, I was out of town for a bit, but I felt like I would go out of town and then come back and then like hit two tournaments and then go out of town again. You know, like it was, it was madness. Like there were no free weekends. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. I I didn't realize that until the, what is it? The past couple of weeks I've actually had some weekends off and I've been like, whoa, relaxation. What is this? I don't have to drive two hours somewhere and then play three games and then drive two hours back. 
Yeah. Damn. Two days in a row. What? I know. Jesus. Um, yeah. And, and it's really funny, like tournament wise too, the more tournaments I was going to, the more it became more about like, okay, where can I place and getting into this kind of like shuffle of, okay, I want to win games. I want to win games mm-hmm. as opposed to like, Hey, I'm really enjoying this game that I'm playing because yeah. you get immersed in that kind of tournament. Where did I place? How did I do? How did this last yeah. game go? How is the next game going to go? How am I going to interact with the people there? Like, how are these games going to go? Yeah. And it was, it was pretty apparent the last couple of tournaments to me that I was like, man, I am, I'm burning, I'm burning the hell out. Like my game is yeah. much better than it was at the beginning of the year, but like at what cost, right? Yeah. Like I'm, am I actually enjoying the games that I am playing? Which was a, a really interesting kind of eye opener of like, well, do I need a break or not? Yeah. And um, I don't yeah. know. I've, I've definitely felt like I've taken a little bit of a break from tournaments, not exclusively, you know, like, there's one this weekend. I can't make it. It's a tough weekend to do a two dayer. Yeah, I feel bad because it's a bunch of good guys, and I want to go up and I want to support. Like that's the problem. Is ultimately like part of the tournament scene around here, and hopefully for wherever you're listening to this, it's the tournament. It's part of your tournament scene. Is that you know forty to sixty percent of it is showing up and being part of the group. Yep. Yeah. You know, that goes to the things like we're the guys that do the things, aren't we? When we're doing things to this is a weekend when we do things. This is the thing that we are doing this weekend. Yeah. Uh, And that's super fun. And then, uh, you know, and it's fun to be a part of that. But you feel like you also you need to be a part of that every time, even though, you know, there's plenty of people who come and go. And like, you know, I know um, uh, Derek just had a had a kid, you know, and we saw I saw him. At the last, at the the Thanksgiving charity tournament, I was surprised he made it out. Uh, yeah. uh, but it was super awesome, you know. Like as, as someone who, uh, not to call him out or anything or like anything like that, but just like he's a perfect example of someone who is definitely part of the group and has not been present very recently, and it's fine. Yeah, and you know, and and reminding yourself of that you don't have to go every time, even though yeah. you want to. Yeah. And even though like sometimes you, you, you may not actually want to and not really realize it. Right. Yeah. Like there may be other things going on, which again, uh, sorry, Mike, I really wanted to be there as well this weekend. No, I did. I did. I did too. I had it on my calendar and everything. Like I don't put everything on my calendar. I'm not that kind of nerd, but <laughs> this is <laughs> but why I, I have Google calendar. calendar. It does it for me. You, no, just, ex- you get the Google <laughs> calendar. It does it for you. And then you can, you know, you'd be do- judicious Ignore it that at way. your own, at your own leisure. Yeah, <laughs> you swipe the uh, swipe the message alert away, and you're good to exactly. go. I think uh, when it comes down to like the the tournaments, not only like okay, you you don't always have to be there, and it's not yeah. like I think somehow now that we've kind of like turned into an actual team, it almost mm-hmm. feels like we have to rep ourselves out there every once in a while. Yeah. And sometimes, like maybe we don't actually have to. Bum bum bum. Right. Yeah. Like yeah, then we're mysterious. Yeah. Right? Right, getting in people's heads. Yeah, I'm like what did, are those these? Guys have somewhere, did those guys have some cooler tournament to be at that I'm not invited to? What are they doing? <laughs> Where is this garage? Right. Um, where's this backyard they're playing? Oh man, um, we should have a cold as fuck tournament in my backyard. That'd be great. I'm fine with that. <laughs> as we're speaking about not overcommitting, right? Fingerless glove tournament. Yeah. <laughs> um. Anyway. Yeah, but I I think um, speaking for myself, mm-hmm. like the I hope you would. 
Haha. There, there's only a certain amount of social batteries that I think everybody has. Yeah. Um, and, and for me, I know I, I have to recharge definitely quite a bit. Mm-hmm. The, the great thing about that and speaking to like hobby burnout is like my Zen moments are like sitting down and painting. Mm-hmm. I also have, you know, another hobby. I do like, I do a lot of music. I do a lot of recording. Mm-hmm. So like, I feel like it's, it's a lot easier to recharge those batteries when um, we're not forcing ourselves to do these things. Like when we're yeah. not setting up these arbitrary lines, right? No, that absolutely. We have to cross. And like I said earlier, it's about finding those things that you know help recharge you. Like I know one thing that recharges me on the painting side is playing with that army. Yep. Or right, having is, the promise of paying, playing with or, it Oh, yeah. The promise. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I've been slogging through these uh, Chaos Knights for 40K, and they're a fun project. There's mm-hmm. something very different from what I've painted in the past. They're they're very fun. I am six robots in at this point, and I am very tired of painting giant pink robots. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's getting clipped. That's right? getting clipped. um no no i i totally agree um there's there's like i think i was talking to you about it i was like that 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 army itself just intimidates me to try and put together right right just because because after that you have to paint all that intricate shit and you don't want it just one color um (laughs) even if it's pepto-bismol yeah but that's the thing is like you know um there have been moments through painting through this painting project where like Okay, I finished this one little robot, right? I finished this war dog, and I got a couple coats near the war dog. And like, if I'm honest with myself, I cannot stand to paint any more of these robots until I get a good game in. Yep. And I just yeah. know that that's the case, right? And so I'm just not going to push myself. So, so then I know your last game did not go so well. This is this is one of the things that I've I don't think it discourages me um, mm-hmm. with my painting, but it does it. It makes me half the time like set an army on the shelf and be like, okay, that was fun. I got those painted up. Let's go focus yeah. on this other thing, right? Yeah. Like, a, like a dislodge. Like when you have just like out the gate, like a really not bad game, but just a yeah. disappointing showing from <laughs> your oh, rules, sure. right? Where you're just like, oh, well, that didn't go any yeah. of the way that I thought it would. I feel like there's – I'm kind of assuming your question at base at this point, I guess. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, you know, part of it is to, like recognize, especially you and I have this problem where we have a lot of armies mm-hmm. in varying states of completeness, right? And it's fun to jump between them, <coughs> right? But mm-hmm. recognizing that, like, I am not the best at this game. And especially oh, yeah. when I play against other people who are very, very good, if not better than me, you know, at this game. And they're playing an army that they've practiced. It is unreasonable for me to show up with a list that I came up with the like the in the hours beforehand, and expect to make a really good showing of it. So that brings another question, then. You know, when when you're going into these painting projects, do you do you like envision your list ahead of time, or do you just be like, okay, here's all the stuff that I think I'll need, yeah, and I'll just paint it up. You know, it's a little bit of both. I don't know how you do it, but I always feel like there's a bit of like there's the army list idea, mm-hmm. right? But then I also prioritize of the things that are in that list. I try to prioritize 
sort of based on their overall utility in the army as, in general. I try to paint all my troops first. Yeah. Right. Even though they are definitely the most boring. Yeah, they're they're rough to slog through depending right. on what you're doing. You know, and you and you reward yourself by painting for painting like I painted ten chaos warriors. I'll paint a cool sorcerer lord. Right. Yeah. And yep. then I'll paint ten more chaos warriors, and then I'll paint a cool, you know, like a guy on a manticore, you know, whatever. I'll paint this cool hero model, and you try to balance them so that you're not. I don't know. I've always felt like I get burned when I just paint for a list or build for a list. You build it like if I'm starting a new army and I've built exactly 2000 points such that they work in exactly one configuration. Mm-hmm. That is not going to be a successful oh, yeah. project. It might, it might work in the extremely short term. I found that most of my list building is like reactive, right? Mm-hmm. It's reactive to like my experience with the meta. Um, and again, this is like the privilege of having well over 15 plus armies Mm -hmm. to like work with is like, okay, well this seems to be something I've been running into a lot. I have this other army. I haven't been playing them. Um, You know, they're either gray or they're just like, I don't like the look of them. Yeah. Um, I've just got them based or, you know, that's when I'm like, Oh, okay, let's uh, let's start with this. And well, I'll paint because usually when I get something, I, I, I'll, I'll just go on like build marathons. For mm-hmm. me, building models, like just building rank and file is I've been doing it so long that it's just like it's Marty. Sorry, guys. My dog <laughs> got his uh, his little monkey toy and uh, it's going to be a little noisy for a sec. um so like for me building building models is actually like the biggest pain in the ass yeah it's just a slog now unless i'm doing like a in-depth conversion project sure so i'll I'll just go through like tons of models that i have to get built like right now i've just i seriously just got done building three thousand points of chaos space marines just to get Mm -hmm. them out of the way for storage because apparently if you have tons of storage like model storage and you leave all of your models unassembled in boxes, it takes up twice the space. Who would have thought? <laughs> so um, no, that's 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 a good point. I definitely feel like assembly is something like it's something that I can do without thinking too hard. And so it's something that like very easy to, you know, still be attentive in a meeting at work and be cranking out a chaos space marine or something like that, you know. Or, you know, uh, hopefully no one at work is listening to this podcast. But uh <laughs> Or, but like, or, you know, there's like a TV show while like we're watching Great British Baking Show or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm cranking out some Chaos Knight or whatever. You're just like getting the pieces, getting all the flash filed off and all that kind of stuff. Uh, all those like, those are just sort of monotonous tasks that I really don't, ha- don't need very much brain space to make happen. Well, see, that's probably because you follow the instructions. I will distract myself about halfway through building and then forget. <laughs> Please, G-dubs, go back to the, yeah. the torso, arms, and legs. Let me just do that. Just just plop them in and call it good. Yeah, uh, none models, of those monopose models, no. I got to say, yeah, the, uh, so many models now require, require actually reading the instructions to get anywhere. And it's, I like it and I hate it all in the same time. <laughs> yeah, it's, becoming, it's become a slog. I, I won't lie, some of them. And like... I will say on one hand, you tend to end up with models that have cooler poses, but then you can't, then they only have those poses. So if you make a second set, they're stuck doing the same thing. Yeah. But if I'm honest, they're probably a lot cooler than the poses I would have come up with if they were like 
purely like fully posable, you know, like I had a bunch of space Marines that were doing this, you know, <laughs> like, you know, uh, the, the, they were just doing the YMCA uh, dance, that kind of stuff, because, you know, like whatever, like I have, <laughs> don't put me in charge of these things. <laughs> I mean, uh, that's, that's the one thing that I'll, I'll actually enjoy. I'll, um, I didn't yeah. do, do it for the uh, Slanashi archers because I was just finally done. I was oh, so done. <laughs> I was I was so done. But like, if I have a um, you know two monopose forces, I will absolutely cut their arms off and then reposition them. Like I can't. Uh, one of the things that like kind of drives me nuts is like I guess because I had so many of them early on. Um, you know, with second edition 40k with the three piece marines. Mm-hmm. We had yeah, the bolter, the hands, yeah. the body, and then the backpack. Like I was just like, okay, I don't want, I don't want all of them to look like a, uh, like a, I don't know, secondhand animation that's using two rigs throughout the entire, <laughs> <laughs> you know. So I, I, I'll absolutely go ham on those, given the, uh, given the gumption. I think that comes down to like converting. I, I will sure. always love converting, given the chance. Sure. That being said, it's so easy to burn out doing that because you're like, okay, this should have been a 30-minute, 40-minute project, and now yeah. it's lasting five days. I, I feel like one of the breakthroughs that I had, and I've talked with uh, Jack Jack P. from Boston uh, about this, which is that I am a good enough painter, pat myself on the back or whatever, that not everything or even most things – need to get painted to the best of my ability. Yeah, exactly. You know? <laughs> if it looks good on the table, it's good for there. You can always right? come back to it and put all the like, pretty little detail on it. And it and it's okay. I've painted enough armies at this point that like not everyone needs to be the most unique expression of my creativity. You know, like Agreed. I feel like I come up with some cool color schemes and sometimes they 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 really pan out and sometimes they're like, "Oh, they were kind of it, it looks fine." You know? Um but, uh, you know, not everyone needs to be this ultimate expression of myself as an artist. You can really, uh, you can really paint yourself into a corner. But, uh, but, um, uh, <laughs> the, the counterpoint to that, I will of course always bring the counterpoint mm-hmm. is, uh, so going back to, and, oh, this is such heresy, the chaos space Marine army that I'm putting together, taking it and learning how to do, uh, what is it? Um, a non black black. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Yeah. So like on on the other hand, on things where it's like, well, I don't need to, this to be great. I can also use that as kind of a springboard for like, okay, I want to learn this technique. Yeah. And I'm not actually concerned with this being, you know, golden demon worthy. Not that I'll ever get there. Yeah. But like that's 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 like the perfect excuse to not only kind of like inject more life into like, oh, well, here's a technique that I've now I've now put purpose to this slog that I've had to get through, yeah. right? I'm going to learn this technique and this is probably going to be great when the Olgu book drops and everything's covered in shadow and sure. I have to learn how to, you know, not use black ever. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I, but that's, that's also like, I, you know, I think it's this mindset of like, uh, I am starting a new army. Like, so when I, when I was, you know, earlier in this hobby, the mindset would be like, okay, I'm going to start this new army. And like all this bullshit that I painted beforehand that I, you know, I put all this time into and I hate it because I wasn't a very good painter when I did it. It's you know? not good enough now. Exactly. Because I had to learn to the last model. Exactly. Um, 
now I'm going to start this new army and it's going to be my perfect army. Right. Yeah. It is going to be the ultimate expression of what I am as a painter. And I've gotten beyond that. Like, and whereas you're saying like, okay, I have this new army. Why don't I try this new technique out that I've been wanting to try? Like, I feel like I did that with the giants. It was like, they are an expose in me learning how to use contrast paints. Yeah, they really are. But you know? they... And are there a lot of weird pools and like blotchy bits? Absolutely. You know, did I think they turned out pretty good? I think they turned out pretty good. Yeah. You know, I mean, like they, they turned out, they turned out great. Like, and, and to, I'm, I'm not going to totally drag contrast paints here uh, sure. because I use them in everything now that completely cut down and revolutionized the way that I can use the paints mm-hmm. uh, that I have currently contrast paints when used as just contrast paints, you can mm-hmm. tell right away that an entire army is painted with contrast paint, right? Sure. Just because of the pooling and like the amount of like tint. Yeah. What's interesting for contrast paints for, for a thing that's called contrast paints, they actually don't give a lot of contrast to the model from a, from a, you know, classical art, you know, capital C contrast. Yeah. Uh, which is kind of funny. You know, a lot of them end up in the same sort of value range. What's interesting to me about how you brought that army from like, I remember seeing early stages, uh, pictures you throwing up of that and i'm like oh it's going to be an all contrast paint job and then finally seeing them you know as they are now pull that off and have that army be like wait is that contrast paint for predominantly most of the army it it definitely is is i mean (laughs) that's that's kind of like the that's the invigorating part of the hobby right like that's that's where we're like oh because then you have another tool in your pocket when you're facing like I don't know, like right now, Lumineth. Lumineth is the the gray plastic giant elephant in the room for me, yeah. right? Like now it's like, okay, well, I know how to do that with this. Do I want to, at what point or at what difficulty level do I want to throw myself into this project just right. to get it to the point where I'm like happy with it, right? Yeah. No, and um, uh, Lumineth or, you know, any elf army, I feel like. Uh, Sylvaneth, a little bit less so because they're not as... They're not really elves at this yeah, point. They're but, really just bark. Yeah. Uh, but any like proper elf army, I feel like, is always a really intimidating. You know, whether you're in 40K or you're in Ages of Sigmar or you're playing some sort of weird game I don't know about. Uh, elves, because they always like they have this mystique of being pristine, of being these like, and you want to paint. And that's so much harder to put that level of uh, finish on things uh, well, for a whole army. And that's see that's that's the that's the I guess this is a perfect perfect example of what I was just talking about with the contrast paints. Um, you know, having gotten, having gone through with the the Zinch army that I have, mm-hmm. um, I've been focusing on making them look very grim, dark, and kind of like you know, oh that looks cool, but I really don't want it to touch me. Yeah, kind of like thing. Mm-hmm. Bring that over. Um, uh Nell, one of the uh awesome people from uh Doll Wars needed a bunch of uh dark Eldar Helions okay. and I had them just sitting on a base metal color, right? Nice. And I was like, okay, well let's bring in some stuff. I don't want this to look too pristine. Let's make them look let's make them look like murderous, you know, uh yeah. Hellraiser beings. And the techniques that I learned through going through the Zinch army and like a little bit of the Slanesh army, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, 
you know, like really just made it kind of a no brainer. I sit down, I already had the techniques in the pocket because I had practiced them on something else. And then they came into like the already yeah. kind of pre-established theme that I have for the army. So like nice. it made the work, it made the work much more enjoyable because it's like, Oh, well here's something new to do, but also here's something that I can put all of this practice that I've had and totally other things in a, yeah. you know, in a totally different vein now. That's cool. So yeah, I don't know. That's, that's kind of how I beat the, the burnout there. It's just like, okay, what can I do to bring all this together? Right. Yeah. What's, what's try, a to, new challenge? Try, to, try to inspire yourself based on what you already, you know, what do you already have or what's something you want to learn, you know, or just I, buy soul black grave Lords and spray them with neon paint. There you go. Yeah. That's the <laughs> thing too. It's like, uh, and like, I, I'm not going to like take this with a grain of salt, but like, it is perfectly okay to paint a jackass army. Oh yeah. <laughs> like it's fine. There's a great guy in the Victoria's secret. Uh, we played him at the last tournament who paints like a jackass and he does a great job at it, but he definitely paints like a jackass. Well, now I'm, I'm intrigued because I'm trying to think of all the, it's, the right, jackassery. It's that guy with the, um, I'm not, I'm not gonna remember his name. I feel so bad. Uh, it's all uh, good. I feel pretty We do pretty good job of doing, getting names right on this podcast. Uh, but, um, you know, he's the guy with those ogres that you, uh, that you played the frost Lord with, uh, Kragnos. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're beautiful. They will, oh, yeah. they will see now. I really want a game with the, the, the neon army against his like neon army. Okay. So, so let's now we're going to get into the nitty gritty. Like okay. what, what, it, what, what do we define as jackass painting? Sure. I, no, I, I meant mostly like, you know, let's take a skeleton warrior, right? Uh-huh. I think we all, if we gave it like our first, like just come out swinging go uh-huh. for a skeleton warrior, we'd all come up with something pretty similar, right? Yeah, bones. If the goal was just like paint a skeleton warrior, you're done. Right. And then, you know, and so I feel like a lot of people, myself included, get hung up in the fact that this thing is bones and it should look like bones. Yeah. Right. And then I get to have this sort of creative expression on the metallics and the 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 basing and the sort of the, like the the things that go around the sort of things that are like stuck in certain colors. Yeah. 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 So like but night haunt light green blue. Right. Has to be ghosts. Right. Yeah, gotcha, exactly. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Um, but there is nothing stopping you from painting your skeleton, you know, blue, pink, neon. <laughs> there nothing's is gonna stop like, me from doing right, that shit. Just in the same way that you can go outside and start eating dirt, there is nothing stopping you. <laughs> like, okay, gotcha. You can, like, like the, the universe isn't gonna come down and be like, "No, you did that wrong. You should feel bad." You know, like <laughs> it's fine. And if that is exciting to you, just do it. If that's what gets you out of the funk of painting, if you're excited to paint an army that's kind of just silly in its concept, if that's what gets you, like, it doesn't matter how, where you get that that energy from, that motivation. Like, yeah, you just got to get the joy out of it. Yeah. Now so there is. You, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. If you wanted to paint a bunch of really nurgly looking, you know, Lumineth, that would be fine. So it's the, not. It wouldn't. I'm not going to say it was my first pick. You know, for what you want to paint Lumineth as, but if that's if that's what gets you through the project, do it. You know? So 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 Jackass is is if you, do what you love 
and and uh, get hit in the testicles a little bit by the purists. Yeah, and and you'll enjoy it a lot more. Yeah. So there is one ass uh, model that I can think of that I think collectively everybody who has seen it agrees mm-hmm. um, that it is completely worthless. Nobody should ever do it. Everybody's eyes are scarred. Okay. And that is the great clean one. Oh yeah, that one. Um, <laughs> I don't great. think I can look at that ever again. For I those, think it's painful. If you haven't seen the great clean one, go Google the great clean one. It's it's painful and wrong and disturbing. Yeah. But like somehow smooth. And I really want to like pet it. Yeah. Not in it's, like it's revolting. Not in like essential way. Just like oh, so yeah. smooth. Very smooth. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Go out there and everybody be a jackass. Right? I mean, like, you see people on Reddit uh, with, like, these, these like, hobby projects where it's like, oh, I'm making Caradron overlords, but they're all goblins. And, like, yeah. all, the, all the different balls are actually inflated squigs. And, like, I would never do that. I think it's, maybe – I maybe even think you're a little bit dumb for putting that amount of energy into this thing. But if it makes you happy and you get it done, I don't give a shit. Like, it's done. Like, that specific stuff makes that that brings me joy. So like yeah. to even more to your point, like some people ain't gonna be like, I don't know. but like other people are gonna be like, holy shit, that's inspiring. I wouldn't be able to do that. How did no, you do course. that? How did I'm you get gonna, that off? Yeah, I'm not. I wouldn't be able to do it either. One, I would never like. I wouldn't have gotten that far. Yeah. I would have said this was dumb and I stopped doing it. Right, but like, <laughs> but that's okay. That's not you know. It's where you're getting the inspiration from, not me. Exactly. That's that's entirely how I got through all of that uh, Legion of Blood. Like, there is yeah. no way I would ever want to sit down and paint just regular skeletons. They have yeah. to be fucking neon for me to get through them. There's there no way. There's no way I'm going to get through. No, because you get so so exhausted painting the same bone oh, warriors. Yeah. Like, there's so much bone and so much shitty, gross metal throughout that whole army. You're just going to wear yourself out. If I even it's like even the whole with the sharpies, the whole army the is like sharpies. four colors if you paint it the traditional way. Yeah. And that'd be painful. I'd be a drooling wreck on our next po- next <laughs> podcast episode if, like, you'd get like three words out of me, and one of those would be bone. Well, it'd be a lot shorter. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. There we go. We solved it. There we go. There so, you go. If you have burnout, of- then your fault. We paint solved like it a- for you. There we go. Paint like a jackass. <laughs> uh- <laughs> Speaking of getting excited about things, the new Nurgle book is coming out soon. Nice segue here. So oh, yeah. The, yeah, so the new Nurgle book is coming out. I will say it is probably the first third edition book that's come out that I have any real interest in. <laughs> are you are you actually excited about it? Or I think so. I mean, I don't know. I've been playing this Nurgle army on the stream. Mm-hmm. And they are a good amount of fun. It's not an army that I would have collected by my like myself. Like I'm not that into the Nurgle aesthetic, but they're definitely growing on me from a playstyle standpoint. Yeah, yeah. And I'm excited. To, and and one thing that I noticed when Games Workshop redid the Death Guard book for 40k is that they really did a good job of finding a new axis for these guys to feel tough in a way that other armies don't feel tough. Right. Like, and I think GW has done a pretty good job game design wise over the past editions of Age of Sigmar of finding these new, like, not all the super wizards in our game. There's plenty of super wizards, and none of them are super wizards in the same way. Yeah. 
Like right. Nagash just has a million spells, or it feels like it. Right. Croak Teclis just gets uh, all his off. Right. Croak has um, all of those. Like he's like stacking all those pluses. Croak is probably the best anti-caster of all the of all the of all the main wizards. Yeah, but he's you also know? one of the best casters too. And right. Because like, what are you going to deny only one of his spells with your auto dispel? That's yeah. great. He's got right. more. They're just going to cast it again. Uh, right. Uh, Teclis can cast without rolling. That's very, very powerful, but he's garbage at, at denying it. He's got the one, the one auto dispel, but after that, um, yeah. and, uh, you know, fate, the uh, Kairos and, uh, Lord of change, you know, they've got that, you know, turn your highest. Die. So it's like, it's swinging. It feels very zinchi, but also it's very powerful. And like, so they're all playing in this super wizard, yeah. you know, and- um, archetype in a very different way. And so I'm excited to see, how how Nurgle takes on being a tough army. One of the things, the main thing for me is that armies should feel like they do in the fluff, right? Mm-hmm. We have what the largest um, tabletop game designers in the world able to put together these rules for us. Mm-hmm. And when when an army doesn't hit, it's very noticeable. And they, yeah, they're not infallible. These guys, right? Like they have hits and misses and it's okay. Yeah. You know, as much as I want them to be all hits, it's like part of life. But I feel like Nurgle has so much potential mm-hmm. that I feel like they're, they're, they're going to get a mixed reaction no matter what they put out with, because it's mm-hmm. one of the big gods. It's definitely a favorite for a lot of the people out there. Um, sure. Nurgle's just the, he's the jovial God. Right, he's the guy right. that makes everybody happy. He gets a whole comic book, uh, Warhammer community dedicated to him. That's right? one of my favorites, in fact. Yeah, right, because you can have you can be you can have mirth uh, yeah. with Nurgle, um, whereas if it's like mirth with Slanesh, some it'd yeah. be weird. The current book, I think, still has legs. Has more legs, arguably, in uh, three some, so then, yeah, than some other old books. And um, uh, it. And part of that is like weird rules, interactions, but the 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 core idea of we're going to like slowly drain the life out of this game for our opponent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, while getting where we want, right? And yeah. so I know there are a couple of rumors out there. Yeah. Like what I'd really love to see is they could almost have like area effect. They could be the area effect kings. Like that would be sure. awesome, right? So if you're within six inches of um, you know a great unclean one, or a great clean one, um, you would take a certain amount of mortal wounds um, on a certain dice roll. That dice roll gets yeah. easier once it gets to three inches, and then if it's at one inch, it's like d6 mortal wounds, right? Okay. Yeah, like stuff like that could be really interesting because then you're like, like nobody wants to touch. A diseased thing. Yeah, I'm Who thinking to do that. You're reminding me of uh, the Nurgle team in Blood Bowl has a disturbing presence on some of their bigger models, which is uh, if you're within a certain range of them and you try to do basically anything at all on a one, you just fall over, and that's I like the end that. of your turn, right? Like, because <laughs> you're like you're so free, like you don't want to touch, like or like anytime you want to hit a Nurgle guy on a one, you just don't, okay. right? <laughs> like, and yeah. I'm not sure, like. But there's something like that. It's like, I don't want to touch that, actually. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no, no, um, thank you. Please, no. Yeah. Or oh, I say, ahead, there are some rumors that, that have you've circulated around. I don't know. 
the validity of them. I saw some screenshots of a Discord conversation, you know, like who the hell knows. But, uh, <laughs> right, In, like. Insert asterisk. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. Um, but I heard about like some sort of disease points mechanic where you're stacking up uh, these sort of potential mortal wounds. Mm-hmm. which is kind of interesting. So I don't remember exactly how, how you give disease points, but it sounded like uh, natural hits of six or something like that. You know, put a disease point on a unit. And then at the end of every turn, on a four up for every token, uh, they take a mortal wound and then the, the token is removed. So, I mean, that that's interesting. One no, of no, no. And, and if, you, if you don't get it, the token <laughs> stays. Which is cool. Yeah. So, you know, then it's just brewing virus, right? Yeah. One of the one of the main problems that I have had with Nurgle was that there's a lot of bookkeeping in that army. Uh, there is. If you play them and, certain ways, and disease points sound like a lot of bookkeeping. Yeah, and that that sounds like an almost unnecessary amount of work to put into an army that should be, you know, it, when you when you play orcs, right? You know what you're doing. The orcs come up, they punch you. It hurts. You die. Right. right? And that's what the orcs does. Yeah. The great new rules, they read out the rules and everybody yeah. chuckles and it does something right. like horrible to your army. Right. Yeah. Like having it being written like that would be amazing. And it just being a kind of like, okay, well here's this support on this one unit that will turn them into mm-hmm. absolute monsters for certain things. And then right. having auras just like I, like I was stating earlier, just, expanding auras of fecundity I feel would be kind of an easier way of going around creating not only like don't touch me don't get close to me yeah as well as like not having to do all the bookkeeping like even just the um what is it the wheel I've seen so oh, yeah. many players like mess up their wheel just like oh where was I what did I roll oh I tipped it over or something and then like it yeah, throws yeah. off their entire game because they're no, like y- you could they're playing math games in their head, just trying to get to the table to get to me. Right. You could see something like, uh, I think a, a very clever uh, sort of growing pestilence might be like, if you're within an inch, you might take a mortal wound, right? Or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then second round, if you're within two inches. And then third round, if you're within three inches. Yeah. Right? And it's this thing where like, all right, the longer you go, the more models might take mortal wounds. You know, like, and just being here, the like, as long as possible makes this really uh, a pain in the ass to the point where uh, towards the later half of the game, when you hit four and five inches, now you don't even need to be in combat to be starting to do these things. That could be really interesting. Like, um, one of the, one of the most annoying, um, but also uh, easiest uh, things to like, kind of remember after you've played the army for a while Mm-hmm. Is the Ideneth Deepkin's uh, rising tide rules, right? Sure. They're endless tide rules. Like, you know, on third turn, you don't want to be in combat. That is not only right. like, like you'll have that with a conversation for somebody who's never played the army before and maybe not yeah. be that experienced, uh, hasn't had time to read up on it, or right. is, we'll just say like me, lazy, um, right. and finds out uh, during the game on the third turn that they can't attack at all. Um, right. That idea of like an escalating epidemic sounds great. That sounds awesome. Yeah, you could you could do like you could do really interesting things. I don't know why continually I'm coming back to that, but like focal points of that contagion, right? The more contagion you have, the more it spews out. Yeah. 
So like if it's exactly a, a Herald of Nurgle or something. I really like one thing that they've sort of taken as their motif in their sort of four to five book hodgepodge that they've got going on right now is the idea that you're going to do more damage to yourself than I'm going to do to you. I, you know, and it's definitely like a feels bad mechanic. Yeah. Like in some ways. And it punishes uh, armies that are weight of dice armies. Yeah, it it really does. But, um, but I like that idea of picking something like that. That's like, this is going to be our, like, and, and no one else is really doing that shtick. And maybe they make it less punishing, like because right now it's like any like there are way like it's like yeah if you're within twelve of the great unclean one in this one it's like any ones do mortal wounds back. That's yeah. annoying as hell. Yeah, it's like there's there's something to be said about like oh turning your role against you, and I would expect mm-hmm. that actually in an army like Zinch. Sure. To be honest, the negative playing experience that can come from it, yeah, is. Not only does it make it slows down the game because mm-hmm. people are either a going to have to call it out or b have to constantly be looking and breaking their own habit of picking up their own dice and rolling them. Sure, but like it's also like it's a conversation that you have to have and you have to have it made clear, and then you have to watch your. You, you kind of have to be almost like watching your opponent, whether or not you're looking for a mistake. You still have to like yeah, make sure it's happening right, which slows down the conversation of the game sure well, you could do something interesting like and this this sort of it's it's still turning your rolls against you but it's a different kind of role anytime you roll a save roll of one it's an extra mortal wound an extra mortal wound yeah that could be interesting right so like or something like that right like when you're rolling saves if one of them's a one not only do you fail the save but you take an extra mortal wound on top of it this, I mean, we're just purely spitballing here. Obviously, this has nothing to do with any of the rumors. But oh, yeah, like, yeah. that's a that's a funny way to to sort of have that turning your own dice rolls against you. I, I mean that that makes a lot more sense than like sixes to hit and getting into the minutia of people starting about like triggering uh, yeah. effects and all that. Right? Yeah. I'm all more for just like a streamlined game. the The only way I've made it through these tournaments, and like we just said earlier, like. Mm-hmm. I'm burnt out on them. I'm burnt out on having to, you know, <laughs> figure out how, you know, other people are playing and right. learn how to learn how to talk words. Right. The less amount of like conversation that happens that has to happen to interrupt what somebody mm-hmm. is practice, I think is the probably the better way it's going to go. Cause there's already a ton of interruptions in the game now. No. And this edition has not helped that in any way. I feel like, I was reflecting on that with my games with Matt uh, the other day. I was like, wow, actually, there's a ton of interrupts now. Yeah. And I, and I do feel like interrupts as a whole are negative play experience. It's not, ex- you know, like there's varying degrees of negative play experience. There is like plenty of like nuance to that statement. I'm not saying that it's like the worst thing in the game, but I think almost any time you have an interrupt, you are asking to be for it to be a negative play experience. Yeah. I, it, at the very least, you're opening the window to let, you know, yeah. the, the extra bugs in. Right. Um, and like now we got like all the redeploys and the stand and, sh- and like, I love, I, you know, they're fun. They're interesting tactics, but they're also, they can also be incredibly frustrating. Yeah. And they can, they can break, mo- like they can completely throw you too. 
Mm-hmm. Like I can still throw myself by, you know, being in a thought process and then having an interruption. It's also, it's also very strange in a way with 3.0, how um, the, the cadence of the conversation between two players that are happening, like mm-hmm. when someone chooses to do that interruption also. Right. Yeah. Um, it forces a lot more Otis on like, well, how am I, how am I going to do this without stopping somebody like in a rude way? Right. How yeah. am I not going to, how am I not going to get in the way of this person enjoying their game? Maybe that comes down to the way that I try and approach the game, but like, yeah, I think adding on to that, it just bogs it down even more. There's so, reminders and then there's wait a minute or yeah. we're Hold doing on, this in stop, this phase. Stop what you're doing. I'm doing this thing now. Yeah. 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 And that can happen no, like mid sentence too. Uh, maybe that's yeah. just me again, being burnt out on tournaments. <laughs> um, but yeah, so, okay. So I guess what we're hoping for is that whatever Nurgle does, it is not interrupting. Yeah. I've, I've recently had a couple of games up against cruel boys and this, this, makes me wonder more like how they're going to be treating the amount of mortal wounds that Nurgle throws out. Uh, Cause cruel boys are just an avalanche of mortal wounds. Just an okay. avalanche just from poison. Right. So okay. I don't know. Ha- have you had any games in against any cruel boys? Yeah, I haven't. Not yet. Uh, yeah, the, sneaky, sneaky in the, in the swamps. Right. I think it's very appropriate for them. Very sneaky in the swamps. But the, you know, like the, the sludge raker, uh, just from average rolling, maybe got like 15 mortal wounds on one guy yeah, or on one unit. I wouldn't expect Nurgle to do that. But as of right now with the book, because of its age and the, yeah, the, the game is now moving towards a more damage heavy environment. Like a, it's oh, no, exactly. much like, more we're, deadly. We're definitely like, we haven't had a hard reset in Age of Sigmar ever yeah. right? since the start of the game. Yep. And we can see from looking at Warhammer Fantasy Battles and looking at Warhammer 40k that it seems like their model is every two or three editions, we reset the power creep, mm-hmm. you know, with a hard reset, and then we start over again. And so we are in, I, I predict Age of Sigmar 4 is a hard reset. Probably. You know, like just the way it's going. And that's not bad. Like power creep is healthy for the game. You know, like it's important that ultimately things keep escalating at some, you know, to a certain degree, obviously, you know, um, um, as long as they're done in a careful way to keep keep new armies coming back and keep the meta shifting, keep the conversation of how the, of like what is top tier, what is what are we thinking about, who is the big bads, keep that always constantly shifting. Yeah. Um, and one of the ways you can do that very implicitly or actually explicitly is by having some kind of power creep built into the, into the book. So I think it is a healthy thing, even though people talk about power creep, like it's a, you know, but we're definitely in deep power creep territory right now with age of Sigmar three. Very much so, especially with the hard reset. Cause now with the, the two new books that are out, we know the damage level that they're going for, right? Mm-hmm. Just the damage level. I can only imagine how much quicker games are going to go. Once all of the armies have been, placed around the area that the two new sure. books are now the the thing that i am really questioning and just wondering is like how are they going to make nurgle unique in the way that it throws this amount of damage mm-hmm. that the other two are um throwing while keeping them nurgly and not like overpowering because the idea yeah. of an unstoppable force which nurgle should have right the most right 
resilient army. Come here, bud. Sorry, dog. Um, Marty! Marty! The idea of the most resilient army that also throws mortal wounds like uh, KO does, or not KO, um, like Cruel Boys. Like Cruel Boys just sounds like, I mean, they best be the slowest army in the game. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, right. And so the currently with the uh, run and charge rules from the trees, yeah. you know, that's going to be a pretty heavy rework of the army in general. So I do think uh, that was one of the rumors. I, I don't know if you were alluding to that. That sounds like they're getting rid of the run and charge rules from the trees. Now, are they getting rid of the extra three inches from the bell? Great unclean one. Who knows? Right. Like, you know, he certainly makes the army quite a bit faster as it currently yeah. stands. But if they're if they're getting rid of this movement mechanic they can't keep the same style of damage mechanics, right? Right. So there's going to be an, I, I hope there's going to be an interesting interplay of things getting much tougher and a, predominantly the army getting much slower, but the things that are yeah. fast are super fast and super yeah. tough. I mean, one thing they could do is introduce a, like, like we talked about with the contorted epitome, you know, introduce for the army, like a really heavy, anti-mortal wound save yeah i mean that could be pretty amazing and then just a normal save yeah and then their their normal save is fine you know Mm -hmm. it's not yeah it's probably a five up maybe a a four up up. just a four up right and then they've got like a three up mortal wound save or something like that even even a four up mortal wound save army-wide four and up four mortal wound save would be gross yeah that would be really tough to deal with Uh, and it and it would force armies to go back to you know dealing with like all right I need more rend, right? Which is, I mean, what we're doing now, but... <laughs> one thing it would probably stop in its tracks is one of those dragon lists, right? I would assume or hope that uh, most of the army gains wounds. Like, it would be awesome. I think Black Kings have three wounds now, or do they have four? I it'd thought be, they had, like, five. It'd be awesome. I could be wrong. It'd be awesome to see oh, them at five. They have, they have four, but the leader has five because it's obnoxious. Of course. <laughs> I, I'm I'm very much looking forward but that, to that book getting that streamed. fifth guy he counts as two guys on an objective. So so there's another there's another thing right there's something yeah, you yeah. can do make them all five wounds for like the you don't King. even need the attacks there leave them yeah. on the three and up or four and up save whatever they have yeah uh, give them a give them a shrug actually give those meat mountains a fucking shrug for once right and then. You know, make him count as two on an objective. You now have like a minimal, what, five man unit counting as 10? Yeah, that's awesome. That's perfect. Like, you have to be dedicated to like eliminating that or else they're going right. to cause problems later down the right, line. And it's a 25 wound unit, right? It's yeah. not like something like, it's not any, any 10 man unit. It's a 25 wound 10 man unit. Yeah. And that's like that's daunting in and of itself. It's like, what am I going to throw at that? I'm probably going to have to overcommit. My guys may survive. I'll probably take some mortal wounds. Yeah. Um, but if I overcommit on that, then you've got all these other slow guys that can come up the field, right? Mm-hmm. So that sounds like a great struggle for an opponent to play against. Mm-hmm. And that sounds like a really fun idea for somebody to build a list for. Yeah. A couple of the units that just always feel underwhelming are the two fly units. Blight drones, the the Puscoil blight lords, yeah, who are just and they, the plague, they need some plague drones, yeah, yeah, like those two could be an amazing forward unit that could actually act as cavalry, mm-hmm. not like cavalry with extra wounds, but actual it, cavalry, yeah, yeah. Well, I've got yeah. enough of them sitting on that shelf, so 
It'll be I, great if they turn out to be pretty good. <laughs> I will break out the Stormcast when that new book comes out, and we should probably put something up on the vidges. Sounds good, but that'll be good. We'll have to look out. We'll look forward to the Nurgle book coming out. I, I'm hoping it's before the end of the year so that it'll be legal for certain Vegas tournaments. <laughs> good uh, luck. Right? Good luck. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But I think we're, we've come to a good place. Yes, a very great clean place a great clean place (laughs) (laughs) yeah this has been this has been good yeah i'm excited for this new nurgle book like i said i've been playing them on the stream they have endeared themselves to me in their hilarious and awfulness and gross uh, awesomeness yeah and so i'm excited to see what this new book comes out it's this whole edition i had like so far which has not been that long but it's been almost six months right of this new edition and it's been kind of a slow release just because there's been so much cruel boys and so much stormcast to get out that i felt like since the beginning of the edition i haven't had a horse in the race in terms of any of the new stuff Mm, yep right i have plenty of horses have plenty of horses with old stuff Mm -hmm. but it's hard to get excited about those because they're not new you know what i mean so it's exciting to see some new thing that i actually have a stake in coming down the pipe i'm I'm sure plenty of other players feel i feel similar similar ways you know about maybe oh. their deepkin or their sylvaneth or whatever gloom spite uh, gloom spite yeah i mean even beast of chaos like but but for me i'm fine let the power yeah. creep all the way up be this <laughs> you know make it the second half of third edition and let there me just enjoy myself <laughs> yeah. but anyway uh uh, thanks to everybody for listening. I think this has been a good a good spot to to wrap it up. We have been. This is always strikes last. We um, we are, we are still always strikes last. Still striking last. Always. Yep. People have been striking first, and we are not those people. Yes. It's sad, uh, but also slightly comical. Yeah. And uh, quick plug: check us out, uh, Sam and Hammer, on YouTube. Uh, we're streaming every other week on Monday. And we're alternating with 40K, so Salmon Hammer or the Neighborhood Wah. If you want to see a uh, game where I completely uh, fall apart after being uh, extremely happy uh, with yeah. my Sylvaneth, want, want to watch me uh, remember why I don't play Sylvaneth. There um, we go. It's up there. You can watch it. It's, it's recorded for posterity. I don't know. On the 13th? On the 13th, I'll be playing that, yeah. So we'll be on the 13th. Yeah, yeah. If it, so. if this comes out before the thirteenth, probably will. Uh, oh, well, sounds good. Anyway, what's, th- what's our tagline? Do we have a Do we have a tagline? Uh, thanks for listening and and strike last. Always strike. <laughs> One of these days, we'll there, get it. <laughs> always strikes last. There is no tagline. <laughs>